everyone. This is Brayden and Tally with the voice of my beloved podcast. And uh, we've we've missed a couple weeks. We've actually been on the road the past uh, what two two weeks. We just got back. Uh, we've been out in Knoxville, and we went out to North Carolina, and then we went out to Springfield, Missouri. So we've been uh, traveling. We've given some uh, some presentations, uh, just casting the vision, uh, love and purity, a uh, bride preparing herself for a wedding. Say uh, it's a good time to to be reminded of this uh, the story, the end of the story. That's what I keep saying. You know, I know the end of the story will come out of the wilderness, leaning on our beloved, and that's the end of the story. Uh, so that's it, it. Gives us hope as we walk through um, this part of the story. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this uh, this time in history, we get to walk through. Um, man, it can really it can really just uh overwhelm you the amount of stuff going on in the world right now uh but we got to keep focused on the end of the story well even what we're going to look at today the bride's at a point where things really don't make sense yeah so sometimes i think that is the state of the people of god right we not really sure we're not sure why right things are going the way they are or what's happening exactly but we can hold on and as the bride says here i'm lovesick (laughs) she's lovesick even in the middle of it so that's a encouraging place to be it is it is encouraging you know and i've been really encouraged to just see um i I just really feel like the righteous are going to shine uh as the wickedness gets darker darker uh it's it's exciting to me to see people rise up in boldness and righteousness so that's that's always encouraging um i just wanted to say too we have our little our little baby gilad with us here so we'll see how he behaves we'll see how he does (laughs) if you hear us uh yeah, hear his little noises in the background, or if we have to stop and <laughs> take care of something, uh, he's gonna. He looks very interested in what we're saying right now, though. So, yeah, I'm sure he's gonna do great. <laughs> uh, we wanted to remind you all about um, December fourth through sixth, the men's prayer and fasting. Uh, we've got a group of guys coming out. And just going to be really pressing in to the Father's heart, especially in this season and time. Man, if there was ever a time to pray and fast, it was now. <laughs> so Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I want to have as many guys come out as possible to join together. We really lift up a concerted cry to God yeah. for his will to come forth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, after that, we've got Hanukkah, which is coming. It's coming quickly. December 13th through the 20th, uh, it's going to be a week dedicated to worshiping, um, to really uh, lifting up praises to God. We'll be playing music, and um, we'll see. You know, it, it always depends on who comes out, how, how everything's going to look for the week, uh, but we're excited about that. And um, yeah, then after that, we've got Hebrew lessons starting. So we were thinking maybe we'll do like a Hebrew podcast or something like that next week. Um, get excited about Hebrew. We're excited about it. Um, yeah. So that is the story for today. And we're going to jump into our song of songs. So here we are. We're in chapter five, verse six. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. My heart leaped up when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. So with the first line here, I opened for my beloved. So 
in this, she's responding in obedience because earlier in the chapter, the bridegroom says, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. And so now this is actually the second time she said it since he first asked her to. Uh, just backing up a few verses before, she says, I, I'm, I've opened, I, I rose to open for my beloved. Now she's, for a second time, she's saying, I'm opening for my beloved. So she's doubly obeying. She, she's, I'm, ready. she's ready. She's ready to open up for him. And so, but she opens up and he, he's not there. So I uh, just want to point out that this is different than the first time of separation. The first time of separation in chapter two, she says, you know, go your way upon the mountains of Bether, the mountains of separation. Basically, I'm not ready to go with you. And so then there was a separation period there and she's seeking after him. And this time is more, there's a separation that's brought on due to compromise on her part. Mm -hmm. This time, it seems more that it's, she's actually wanting to be with him. She's actually wanting to obey. But this is actually a separation that is that is ordained, divinely ordained, to awaken her in deeper devotion, mm -hmm. to test her in a sense. There's <laughs> not not all tests are necessarily a result of you know a discipline for disobedience. This test seems to be actually uh, just a test of faith. You know, along the lines of Job. That you know, here Job it says he was a blameless man, but yet God's still allowing testing to happen in his life. And so this seems to be the type of testing that's going on right here with the bride. So moving along, it says, my heart leaped up when he spoke. So he had called for her to open it. And she, when he said that, oh, my heart leaped up. And the Hebrew actually, it literally is nafshi yatsa, which literally means my soul left. When he spoke, my soul left. <laughs> I was just- <laughs> Undone. Uh, yeah, undone, overcome. Uh, I was like, I almost fainted. Uh, just kind of what comes to mind. So my heart leaped up when he spoke and she's just moved. This is just pointing out that she's moved by the voice of her beloved. This is the primary voice that she's given mm -hmm. in her life. And I think that's so important to give him that primary place to speak into our lives. Mm -hmm. There's so many voices that are competing for our attention, but give him the beloved, the bridegroom, that primary place to speak into your life. Yeah. I'm also thinking how like it, just how much in love she is with him at this point and how much she's determined to follow after him, but she's actually not, hasn't seen him in this whole bit of the story. Like she's chasing after him in love with him by uh, faith. in a sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. by faith. And so it kind of, it, I feel like it does kind of uh, parallel with our story here where it's like, you have to listen, you know, to the voice of our beloved and go after it. Uh, maybe not knowing exactly where he went, you know, I mean, not, not knowing, but you know, just not being able to see him, you know, it's, you were not actually physically with him yet, right? but just being, you know, having that, that vision of pursuing him. Yes. So then going along, I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. So here just repeating this idea that, you know, even the seeking, she's not finding him. We know that she will find him right? The seeking that she's doing is not in vain. She will eventually find him. But for this temporary moment, she's not finding him to the depth that she desires. And uh, she's, she's calling out to him, but he's giving no answer. Sometimes we go through seasons where it seems that God is withholding an answer or, or you know, there's this just divine delay, it seems. And so, but holding on in those times is so important. And the question, I believe the, the real question is, will we remain faithful? even in those times when we're not getting that immediate response, we're not yeah. getting that immediate uh, just sense of his presence. Yeah. Well, we keep on the pursuit. 
you know. And it, and it does remind me of the children of Israel as well, you know, just kind of keeping on walking, you know, keeping right. on making it to the promised land. <laughs> yeah. And this just goes along with the whole idea in the first four chapters it's a lot about what the bride gets, right? And then this last four chapters in the Song of Songs is primarily focused on what the bridegroom gets. So the bride is going through this time here where will she be faithful because she loves the bridegroom, not just because of what she's getting, you know, the benefits that she's getting out of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Will she be faithful and love him even when, you know, it seems that he's not lavishing on the blessings? Which I think that, I think that, Yeshua actually, like, I think that's one of the ways that he's moved the most by our love, you know, when, when we act on that, when we are still pursuing, even in the, in the situation of not necessarily feeling it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, you look at later on in the storyline, he says, turn your eyes away from me for they have overcome me. It's like, you just get this idea that her faithfulness through that period of silence Uh was something that just really overtook him. Turn your eyes away from me. I can't hardly take it. (laughs) Your devotion to me through the trial is just overcoming my heart. Mm -hmm. And so there's a really strong emotion there. Mm -hmm. All right. So here we are at verse seven, the watchmen who went about the city found me, they struck me, they wounded me. So here, these watchmen are, people that are seeking to guard the city you know here you have as we mentioned this woman that's just out at night uh, what good they're she, supposed could, to be the good guys right yeah supposed to be the good guys <laughs> but here they totally misjudge the bride they're coming in saying hey this woman's just out and about and they strike her wound her and this speaks spiritually of you know within the body sometimes there is woundedness that happens there's injustice there's injustice that happens <laughs> that you know, people are just misjudging a situation. I don't think oftentimes the watchmen are even aware that they're hurting someone. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to protect the city, protect the congregation, what mm-hmm. protect the, the environment. And they sometimes do this unaware. Mm-hmm. And so here we see the bride. She's going through this unjust, this unjust treatment. And first Peter two, nine speaks to this. It says, for this is a gracious thing or two nineteen. for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly for what credit is it? If when you sin, you're beaten for it, you endure. So it's like, well, what, what good is it going to do you? You know, if you sin, you deserve the punishment, right? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God for to this, you have been called because Messiah also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you may fo- you might follow in his steps. So here Yeshua, ultimate example of mm-hmm. suffering unjustly. And this is what the bride is experiencing here, this unjust treatment by the watchman. Mm-hmm. Not a popular message today. No, no. <laughs> we don't hear this one a whole lot. Yeah, so the question is, how is she going to respond? Is she going to respond by becoming bitter, which is very easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, when people that you you know, look up to, or they're supposed to be good watchmen, leaders, right? be, yeah. watchmen, when they hurt you, it's mm-hmm. easy just to clam up and to just, you know, lose vision. Mm-hmm. But the bride, we see in her the best response, and that's to remain in love with the bridegroom, mm-hmm. to remain in connection. She, you know, she doesn't disconnect. We look on into the storyline and the bride is still relating with the body. And this is oftentimes what you see happens with, with people. They can be in a body situation. I actually spoke with a woman on the airplane one time. She said she became a believer. She went to church, but then she got hurt and she decided just to leave the church. 
and mm-hmm. and just totally disconnect from the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a repeated type of thing that happens very often uh, because people hurt Our people, people. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you may have heard this thing hurt people hurt people right? right you know if you're if you're hurt you're wounded emotionally it could be childhood wounds whatever but it's very likely that you'll end up hurting other people and so this world is full of hurt people and mm-hmm. so it's very difficult to be in the body and not experience some level of hurt mm-hmm. and so this is what the bride's experiencing she's she's getting wounded and totally unjust going on the keepers of the walls took my veil away from me so these watchmen, they see her as a very suspicious woman out in the night. They take her veil away. She, they're basically, in a spiritual sense, are taking her covering away. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not uh, providing her any oversight or covering anymore. They're like exposing her, you know. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, spiritually, this is a place where, you know, you're in the body, you want to be serving in the body, and all of a sudden you're, you're, uh, well, how would you say it? The uh, the people that are giving you that permission, your identity to, yeah, is your, challenged. Yeah, your of. identity, your your place mm-hmm. is all of a sudden like, hey, you know, it's taken away. You're stripped away. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the two things that really meant the most to her: the closeness to the bridegroom, and then ministering within the body. Both of those things are gone now. Mm-hmm. You know, her whole life is really wrapped up in these two things. You know, mm-hmm. pursuing the bridegroom. You know, she loves Yeshua. And then she also, because of that, she loves God's people. Well, now her whole ministry is taken away. Yep. Everything's gone. The bridegroom seems to be far away. So mm-hmm. this is a place, it's a difficult place. And this yeah. is a place that sometimes believers find themselves in. But look at the Song of Songs. The place you want to aim for your heart to be in is, is where the bride's heart is mm-hmm. uh, as, we, as we go along the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, she really becomes of no reputation. You know, and this is what Yeshua it did as well. He, he made himself of no reputation. Um, and, and he stayed in that place of righteousness, even in that. Mm-hmm. So going along, uh, then the bride uh, comes on. She says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am lovesick. Wow. After all the abuse that she's gone through, she's still, I'm lovesick. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's a really amazing testimony. If you can remain in love, if you can keep the first commandment in your heart for people, for God, mm-hmm. even through the trial of going through unjust pain, that's a mighty testimony. Mm-hmm. So here we see that she humbles herself. It's like she's telling the daughters of Jerusalem, if you, if you find him, you know, if, if you're out in the city and you see him, please tell him, t- tell me where he is. And you tell him that I'm lovesick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a level of humility here that she's asking the daughters of Jerusalem for help. Uh, she doesn't give place to bitterness toward the bridegroom. You know, in some of these situations, it's easy to get offended at God. Mm-hmm. But she's, she's lovesick. Yeah, these kind of situations are the make or break in our lives. You know, these times when we feel so uh, lonely or lost or uh, attacked, um, Man, it's just really hard to hang on in those seasons. But, you know, it, there's such a great reward. This is why, you know, she had to keep vision for that she was going to find her beloved, you know. <laughs> like, and right. that's, that's kind of what keeps us going, you know. And that's what, you know, that's what she realizes here in the middle of the trial. She's, she's charging the daughters of Jerusalem. 
and um, and she's saying, tell him I'm lovesick. Like she's knowing that this is what's going to get her through is this lovesickness and this keeping on, you know, pursuing, keeping on uh, just trying to find him. So, uh, yeah, so maybe we all have the strength to do that, <laughs> to, to, you know, endure the the hard parts and um, and just keep on pressing on. Uh, despite, you know, and, and she's also talking to the daughters of Jerusalem here, you know, who knows what this city or the correlation with all the different, the watchmen and the daughters of Jerusalem, but she's, she's still like, uh, I don't know, there's, she's still embracing them as part of her journey, the daughters right. of Jerusalem, you know, mm-hmm. like she isn't like running from everyone. She's still, she still knows, you know, these daughters of Jerusalem, they're going to help me, you know, get to that, find my beloved. So, Yeah. Yeah, and I think too, Tally, it's really important to have a game plan, mm-hmm. you know, because we're going to be offended at some point along yeah. down the line and to really have a game plan, like how am I going to respond to that, mm-hmm. you know, and how am I going to seek to remain in love, to keep the first commandment first in my life through that pain. Mm-hmm. I've uh, been encouraged years ago, I heard a message a guy gave on John the Baptist and he talked about how he paralleled Isaiah 61 and Matthew 11 and talked to, you know, Yeshua's quoting Isaiah 61 and Matthew 11. But uh, let me read the two passages and just point out how, you know, Yeshua, he's, he's really pointing out this fact that John's going to be blessed if he doesn't get offended, even though he's in this, in prison. And so let me just read this, Matthew 11 too. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? This in itself is a pretty striking statement coming from John the Baptist, right. the one that heralded Messiah in the first place. <laughs> right. Are you really the one? I'm sitting here in prison. Are you really the one? And Yeshua answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And then going to Isaiah 61, this passage that Yeshua is not quoting from verbatim, but there's a lot of the same same wording. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So you can see some parallels here. Yeshua is saying, I'm preaching the good news to the poor. Isaiah 61 says, you know, this is the one, uh, the one that has the spirit of the Lord upon him is going to preach good news to the poor. But then instead of saying, instead of Yeshua quoting the rest of this passage that talks about him being able to open the prison, John's sitting there in prison, right? (laughs) Instead of him quoting that part, he says, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Basically saying, I have the power to get you out of prison if I want to, but I'm not doing it. Are you going to be offended? Mm -hmm. Even though I'm not doing what I could do. And so it's, it's a very, that message really hit me. I was like, wow, just there's so many opportunities in life to get offended at God for not doing something that he very well could do. Mm-hmm. And I've been through this in my own life, you know, seeking for someone to be healed. I believe that God can heal. I, and I, and I want to uh, keep pressing into that and see more healings. Mm-hmm. But when he doesn't do what he can do, then we're, I think we're wise to take this, this admonition that Yeshua gave to John the Baptist. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Mm-hmm not to be offended. Even in that place, you're in jail. Yeah. You have no idea why you're kind of like the bride. You're like, I don't know why I'm getting treated like this. <laughs> I'm getting wounded. I'm getting, I'm suffering, but yeah. we're blessed 
if we hold on and and stay in love. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's so amazing how in those circumstances you can totally forget all of the times where he really broke through for you. <laughs> you know, right. like he's sitting there in prison and he's and he knows the amazing things. You know, John the Baptist is well aware of of you know the amazing. Uh, wonders, you know, that Yeshua is doing walking on the earth. He knows who he is, you know, but he's, he's questioning because he's in this place where, you know, it's so hard. And, you know, we're actually reading um, the heavenly man, the story of brother Yun in China. And, uh, you know, it relates a lot. Like God does these amazing, like powerful things in his life in the beginning of his ministry. And he ends up in prison then, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and just beaten, wounded. I mean, you know, but, um, but in those times he had to really like just cling to God for strength of, you know, remembering and keeping on pressing on, you know, knowing that remembering the testimony, remembering what God's already done in your life. So it's so important, so important to hang on to those times where God really broke through in your life and, and, uh, really, uh, spoke to you, you know, uh, for those times when you kind of have to wait. <laughs> right. I mean, that's why the scripture talks so much about remembering, right? Mm-hmm. Remember what he did. Yeah. Remember all these miracles that happened. And because our tendency is to forget, mm-hmm. forget yeah. the times that God really spoke to us. Right. So verse nine, what is your beloved? The daughters of Jerusalem respond to the bride asking, if you see my beloved, tell him I'm lovesick. They say, what is your beloved more than another beloved? O fairest among women or O most beautiful among women. What is your beloved more than another beloved that you so charge us? So they're perplexed. You kind of get this idea that the daughters of Jerusalem are perplexed by the bride's devotion to the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. Like why? You know, we can tell you've got maybe blood running down your head. Mm-hmm. You're, he's not with you. Uh, you've been totally mistreated. Why are you so in love? Uh, like, why are you so, uh, why are you charging us to go find him and tell him that you're lovesick? This is like, <laughs> this doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea could be, look, why not just settle for another beloved? What's your beloved more than another beloved? I mean, you could just have somebody else. Yeah, someone else will take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And uh, this is not an unfamiliar storyline in the scriptures. We have Hosea 2.13, the people of Israel going after other lovers. It says she decked herself with her earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but me she forgot, says the Lord. And so this is a very real thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people, we get enamored with other lovers. We give our hearts to other things and we we don't have that single hearted devotion to the bridegroom that we should at times. Mm-hmm. And, but here the daughters of Jerusalem, they're challenging her. Like, why, why is he so much, why are you so devoted to him? Why is he so enraptured your heart? Mm-hmm. And then she get it, we'll get into this next, next time we do a podcast, but she gives this just beautiful description of the bridegroom. Uh, <laughs> and which is really, I feel like a key, I mean, as we get into this, just to kind of give a little prepper on it is that those things that she lays out, are one of the things that can really, as we meditate on those attributes of him, or the things that are really going to draw us to him, even in those hard times. Basically, because she's she's extolling his virtues. She's talking about how beautiful, how majestic he is, even in this state mm-hmm. of uh, dejected, you know, yeah. she's been beat up. But she's praising him. She's extolling him, even in the middle of that. And that is so powerful mm-hmm. when we choose to do that. And I love this verse in Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth, unite my heart to fear your name. And so here the bride, 
she's about to give this description of just wholehearted love for the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not going to give her heart to another beloved. She's going to stay faithful. And I love how the daughters of Jerusalem, they call her the fairest among women. She's the most beautiful. They see beauty in her. They're a little perplexed by her life. Uh, like what makes her tick, <laughs> but they're like, you're very beautiful. And I think that that's something that the body of Messiah will grow in, that we'll have a beauty. We'll have a beauty about us and nobility. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, these daughters of Jerusalem, whoever they represent, will see that and they will go, wow, you're, you're the most beautiful among women, but why is your beloved so, so attractive to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so may God grant us, as Moses talked about, that the beauty of the Lord our God would be upon us and we would share that beauty with the world around us. Mm-hmm. Amen. This is Brayden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly. <laughs>